Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cody's Car Conundrum. I'm your host, Cody Wagner. No duh, right? Here we discuss everything from car news, culture, movies, stories, games, interviews, events, and so much more. Without further delay, on with the show. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to this week's weekly news roundup. Apparently, a, a bit has happened as of late, and we got a new car reveal coming up, I think, this week, actually. Though we're not getting into that today because, you know, it hasn't, it hasn't come out yet. But I am talking about the Alfa Romeo Tonal, so, or unfortunately, Toenail. So hopefully, that'll come out this week, and I'll be able to do a new car podcast on that, because I really like the concept, and I'm very curious to see how like the concept or not like the concept the new to- Tonal is. But in any case, let's get on to uh, the news. Or the weekly news, I should say. Haas unveils the VF22, previewing their entry for the 2022 F1 season. Now, I've heard some are seen some unflattering takes on the new VF22, but I haven't seen it myself, actually, so you know what? Let's save that for the second segment, and I'll tell you what I think of it. Disgraced Boston police officer pleads guilty to sending bogus traffic ticket after road rage incident. You know what that reminds me of? That reminds me of a meme. Oh, how did it go? How did it go? It was basically, it basically said, don't be a spoil sport and t- spoil sport and turn your lights on after you lose, like a drag race from the light, you know, from light to light. This, that makes me think of that. Despite pleading guilty to six crimes, the officer only got a year of probation. How do you only get a year of t- When you're guilty of six crimes! Ugh. Jesus. But yeah, that's, that's what that makes me think of, is don't, don't be a bad sport and just turn your lights on after you lose. 2030's Mitsubishi Eclipse EV is an unofficial design study that splits into two parts. This wild Mitsubishi Eclipse concept has been in has been imagined with an electric powertrain. Chevrolet Malibu's future looking bleak as GM halts orders for 2022 model year. Malibu sales fell to 39,376 units last year, and reports have suggested it will die in 2025. And you want to know why? No meaningful updates. No meaningful updates. Hardly any marketing. Chevrolet, you let the thing wither on the vine like Chrysler's done to the, well, to its, to its entire brand. And you wonder why sales have slumped to 39,000. Jeez. And I've been in a Malibu when I went to Road America last year in August. It's, it's a, it's kind of a depressing product. I'm not going to lie. It's not terrible. It's just, it needs some love. It really does. And the interior, the front passenger area with the driver and the front passenger is actually kind of small. The dash is really close. That dash surface needs to be pushed back like five inches, six inches. Would, it would make a world of difference. Gran Turismo 7 signals a return to form on the 25th anniversary of the franchise. After the somewhat disappointing Gran Turismo Sport, GT7 looks like it will return to the, fr- it will return the franchise to its roots. See, I didn't think Gran Turismo Sport was disappointing. It was just a different type of Gran Turismo. It was the Tarmac Dirt Rally. I don't know what they mean by somewhat disappointing. It was just kind of a spinoff. And as far as I know, a lot of people actually liked it. India says no to Musk won't offer tax breaks on imported EVs. Cool. The Indian government says its rules work for other automakers. So they should work for Tesla too. Good. Audi's top lawyer says don't expect to be sleeping while your autonomous car drives you. Europeans will be using autonomous vehicles by 2030, but the old continent may be more cautious than the US and China. Ford Mustang driver gets rear-ended, driver chases after Honda CRV. Makes sense. The chase ended when the driver of the CRV pulled over and tried to escape on foot. Really? Really? <laughs> on foot? Man, they did not want, they probably didn't have any insurance. But if they did have insurance, they really didn't want their premiums to go up that much. But hey, guess what? Don't rear-end someone! And I get it, accidents happen, but I bet you they were on their phone. I bet you they were on their phone just not paying attention. Volvo's new Gothenburg battery plant is powered by renewable energy. The plant will make enough batteries for 500,000 vehicles per year and will supply both Volvo and Polestar. AI traffic light that improves traffic flow, traffic flow by up to 15% in simulation will now be used in real life. The lights use high-def cameras and radar sensors to learn traffic patterns and adjust signals appropriately. How did it take this long for us to get that technology? Like, we've been needing that for 30 years. Definitely the last 20. This 155-mile G- sorry, no, G8 GXP is as close as you'll get to a new Pontiac in 2022. This G- well, actually, no, it's not as close as you'll get to a new Pontiac, because you could just go to someone that'll take a 5th-gen Camaro and make it look like a Firebird. You could do that. 
And there might be someone doing that for 6th Gen Camaros now too. I don't know though. This GHGXP is the last great manual sedan Pontiac built. And this example has an asking price of almost $69,000. So that, or maybe a used 2016 Dodge Charger Hellcat. Which to be fair, you can't get in a manual. But you do get 707 horsepower and a supercharger. So hey, you know, pick your poison. Or hell, you know, just get a Chevrolet SS. That's pretty much the same car. Put a Pontiac or a Holden badge, you know, something on it, and then bam. More Tesla issues as NHTSA looking into rising complaints of phantom braking. What? The NHTSA has received more than, more than 100 complaints of phantom braking events in the last three months. So is that slight braking or is that like full-on emergency braking out of nowhere? Subaru's Gas Hog 2022 WRX slurps fuel like an F-150 2.7 EcoBoost. EPA says the new 2.4 liter WRX has the same city and combined MPG numbers as the V6 Ford truck. That is disturbing. It is official. Grand, Grand Theft Auto 6 is coming as Rockstar confirms development. The sixth installment in the famed GTA franchise is officially on its way, but where it will be where it will be set remains a mystery. Finally, all those stupid GTA 6 scammers on YouTube can shut up. We actually have, not that I play GTA 5 that much, in fact, at all. I did get the game free on the Epic Store, but I haven't installed it yet because uh, I don't have the space. It's a, what, a 150 gig game? But in either, in any case, I am still annoyed when I see those scam videos. So finally, we have official news that GTA 6 is happening. Now watch it take like three years, no, four or five years to, uh, to develop. The Shelby Toyota 2000 GT is a Japanese classic with a sprinkle of Cobra know-how. This 2000 GT was prepared for the SCCA series by Shelby and it's heading for auction in March. 2023 Nissan Z available for pre-order in Canada. No reservations for USA. Canadians can also pre-order the 2023 Aria. Face of the BMW X5 spotted with an aggressive new bumper. It's possible the aggressive bumper could be reserved for M Sport variants. Gordon Murray Automotive T33 sells out despite its $1.85 million price tag. The T33 features a 3.9 liter V12 engine with 607 horsepower and 333 pound-feet of torque. The Rivian R1T has eight driving modes for any situation. Four of the Rivian R1T's driving modes are aimed specifically at off-road driving. Unifor says Biden's EV tax credits act as a disincentive to invest in Canadian production. Canada's Auto Workers Union wants to be included in Biden's plans to increase EV tax credits built at unionized factories. The, T the 2023 Genesis G90 long wheelbase is truly an impressive luxury car. The long wheelbase 2023 Genesis G90 is 190 millimeters long, longer sorry, than the standard model. Tesla gives Chinese owners the chance to colorize their digital cars with custom wraps. So basically the car avatar in the in the infotainment screen, you can change the color of it. Now what I want to know is why isn't that let A, that's gotta be a software update. And if it is, B, why isn't that being rolled out everywhere? Because that's sick. If you've wrapped or painted your Tesla and you live in China, you can now make your digital car match the real thing. Again, why isn't this a thing, IRA or why isn't this a thing everywhere else? That would be amazing. Spoil your kids, or yourself, with this $30,000 mini Ferrari Daytona that has a 0.1 liter engine. It has a whole 100cc. The Harrington Daytona Jr. is a mini car that looks like big fun. Norwegian startup Fresco previews a $114,000 8-seat EV dubbed XL. Huh? Why have you dubbed it the XL? That's not a... Oh, it's the Fresco Esca... Esca... Oh my god. The Fresco XL. Like, that's just, it's just not an interesting name. XL, like MP4-12C is more interesting, if a mouthful, than XL. The Fresco XL will apparently offer a driving range of 1,000 kilometers and cost around $114,000. NHTSA says first nine months of 2021 saw biggest spike in U.S. traffic deaths since 1975. Between January and September of 2021, more than 31,000 people died in traffic accidents on U.S. roads. That is obviously a tragedy, but I'm kind of curious as to what what do they think anyway? What do they believe is the leading cause of that? Was it people driving drunk more often? Was it, you know, what what was the cause of that? Because that's, that's pretty interesting that we saw the highest spike of 
U.S. traffic deaths since 1975. That's that's about 40 years ago now? Maybe 50 years ago now? I mean, jeez. Actually, yeah, roughly 50 years ago now. And car and thing is that car safety has improved massively since then. Even even if the average car, if I remember correctly, is roughly what, 15 years old now, 10 years old, so that puts it, you know, late 2000s. Even in the late 2000s, cars were generally a lot safer than they had been previously. Save for SUVs and pickup trucks. So was that the cause? I mean, but we'll get into that in the second second segment. Almost 84% of new cars sold in Norway last month were electric. The Porsche Taycan alone outsold all new petrol cars powered in Norway. That is going to be it for this segment, though. I will see you all after the break. During this break, I want to inform you all that you can now monetarily support this podcast and indeed the entirety of Cody's Car Conundrum with Kofi. Uh, well, it might be coffee, but it's spelled K-O-F-I, and that's weird, so I say it Kofi. In any case, Kofi is an alternative to Patreon where, beautifully and as God intended, you, the supporters, don't have to pay a fee, like on Patreon, to support my work. So if you like what I do and want to see me cover, slash talk about, slash make a video regarding something specific, or want me to branch out into other areas of car culture, then head over to ko-fi.com forward slash Cody's Car Conundrum, where you can make a minimum donation of $5 towards me and the brand. In return, you'll be helping me afford new equipment, afford upgrades to my existing tools, you'll receive polls asking what topic you want me to dive into next, you'll get to see voted and non-voted content before public release, various forms of recognition for your support, and the ability to vote on merch designs you'd like to see on the Teespring store. Now let's get back to the show. Alrighty, everyone, we are back for the second segment, and I've had a I've had a brief look over the new Haas F1 car, and I, you know, I I think I agree with most other people when I say I'm not that impressed. Sorry to say. Now the thing is, it doesn't look bad. I'm not gonna say that. It doesn't look bad. The car, look, the 2022 F1 car is beautiful, very flowing, very organic, I would say. Very compared to previous F1 cars, anyway, very minimalist. So it's gorgeous. I like it. But, but, and to be fair, that's not something I thought I'd say, considering I'm normally of the mind that there's not enough body on a Formula One car to really enjoy. But no, this is very similar to, to the indie cars, uh, to the current indie cars. And those are my favorite. Maybe, maybe behind the F2000 cars, those are my favorite looking open wheelers currently, currently in racing. So for the Formula One cars to be kind of like the indie cars now, the Dallaras, I think is brilliant. But the livery itself, the livery that's on the Haas, it doesn't look bad. It's just boring. It's just, I say boring, it's underwhelming. It, you have a white main coat with a few red and blue stripes here and there. Kind of like kind of like the Oreca Vipers uh, back in the GTSR days, the Gen 2 GTSR days from the 90s and the late 2000s. Like that, but nowhere near as inspired. I'm sorry, it's nowhere near as inspired. So I'm not, I don't dislike it entirely i don't think it's ugly it's not it's none of that it's just very underwhelming it's not that interesting maybe maybe i'll change my mind once i see it i say in the real world what i mean by that is when i see it on a broadcast when i eventually see it in a broadcast maybe i'll change my mind but so far so far yeah i'm a bit underwhelmed it's not that interesting hopefully ferrari mclaren mercedes red bull certainly will put in a better showing but yeah for the moment for the time being not that amazing, sorry to say. Moving on from that, though, we have the AI traffic light article that I really wanted to read to see really just what was up. The town of Lemgo in Germany is about to become a real-life laboratory for a project that aims to... Dang it, Germany. I was hoping it was here in the U.S. For a project that aims to improve traffic flow as it will become the first place on Earth to test deep reinforcement learning for traffic lights that have improved traffic flow, traffic flow by 10 to 15% in simulations. A team at the Fra Fraunhofer, hopefully I got that right, Institute for Optronics, yeah, Optronics, along with a number of research partners, has installed high-resolution cameras and radar sensors to more accurately understand the traffic situation at an intersection in Lemgo. With that idea, it has been running artificial intelligence simulations to develop more optimized signal patterns to help traffic flow more smoothly. In simulations, this new traffic light control system has replaced the rule-based controls that can only take minimal data points into account. And the results have been good enough to encourage the team and the city to now try the AI at the intersection in real life. You'll love to see that. 
The assumptions about traffic behavior that were used in the simulation are not a one-to-one -one representation of reality, so the agent will need to be adjusted accordingly, said project, project manager Arthur Mueller. Hopefully I got that right. If this is successful, the effects of scaling up will be huge. Just think of the large number just think of the large number of traffic lights even in a small town like Lemgo. Using the AI algorithm, the team hopes to reduce journey times for people driving in the city and thereby lower the noise and CO2 pollution caused by standing traffic. Thank you. The European Union estimates that traffic jams cause 100 billion euros or 114 billion dollars of economic damage per year or economic damage per year for its member states and this technology could help shrink that number. Moreover, the team is investigating how to use it to make traffic lights better for pedestrians too. Thank you. The sensors will also be able to determine how many pedestrians are waiting at the light and, surprisingly, if they are differently abled and might require more time to cross a street. It is quick to say that the data cannot determine who an individual is, but could determine someone's abilities by using, by using 3D points, a 3D points cloud and giving them more time to cross the street. By using this needs-based control scheme, the team hopes to reduce waiting times when there, are, when there are lots of people by up to 30%. It also hopes that this will lead to a 25% reduction in, in instances of jaywalking. Yay! Not that jaywalking is considered a, an egregious crime these days. Though, they might be taken more seriously in Germany. So, the bullet points, for those who weren't paying too much attention, is that you'll be able to travel faster... There will be reduced street noise and minimized air pollution because a car, or at the very least an internal combustion engine vehicle, is at its least efficient when it's sitting, when it's idling. That's when a vehicle produces the most emissions. So if they can reduce that, great for everyone. Thank you, Germany. Next, we have the NHTSA looking into phantom braking in Teslas. Compliance, compliance, complaints, sorry. Complaints filed with the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, or the lovely NHTSA, also known as NHTSA, apparently, of incidences of Tesla vehicles breaking unexpectedly and unnecessarily are mounting, and the regulator says it's looking into it. Phantom braking, as the phenomenon is, is often called, is an unsettling and potentially dangerous fault in vehicles equipped with advanced driver assistance systems that, that causes them to misinterpret what's happening on the road and slam on the brakes. See the emergency braking I was questioning earlier. Naturally, it's a hazard for other vehicles behind it and has been a persistent issue in Teslas. According to the Washington Post, reports of phantom braking have risen to 107 in the last three months, compared to just 34 in the preceding 22 months. The timing coincides with Tesla's decision to stop using radar sensors in its vehicles in favor of a camera-only system. The move, along with the recall, was supposed to curb incidences wouldn't just be incidents, you know, plural, not incidences, but whatever, of phantom braking, but has been widely criticized by experts in the driver assistance field. Phantom braking is what happens when the developers do not set the decision threshold properly for deciding when something is there versus a false alarm. Phil Koopman, a Carnegie Mellon University professor who focuses on autonomous vehicle safety, told the Washington Post. What other companies do is they use multiple different sensors and they cross-check between them. Not only multiple cameras, but multiple types of sensors. A bag floating across a road, for instance, may look like a truck to a camera, but if it can be corroborated with radar or LIDAR, a phantom braking scenario may be avoided. Now, the NHTSA has said that it is aware of complaints and is reviewing them. It is also in discussions with Tesla and is reviewing additional data sources. The regulator has put Tesla under increased scrutiny of late and is investigating incidents, no, is, inve is investigating accidents related to its, to its advanced driver assistance systems. So funny that the advanced driver assistance systems are now causing accidents of their own rather than trying to avoid them. Drivers, meanwhile, have been calling these phantom braking events hair-raising and potentially disastrous. <laughs> well, they would be. Unfortunately, though, no time, no date for a potential rollout or when they're going to notify owners formally. At least none, none that are in this article. All right, and now let's talk about that that shrunk Daytona, that mini Daytona I had mentioned, because I, I really want to get into this. The Ferrari Daytona is one of Marinello's cherished V12 classics, but it certainly isn't cheap. For much less, though. <laughs> However, not for, you know, no money. Not for an inexpensive amount of uh, buy-in. You can, you can own an affordable Daytona junior car that is going up at auction. Made by Harrington, I think they 
we I think we've covered them before actually a long time ago when they made I think mini minis they've made like power wheel sized drivable cars before I don't remember what their what their last offering was though the car is powered by a 110 cc air cooled four stroke single cylinder engine that makes five kilowatts or 6.7 horsepower 6.8 ps at 8,500 rpm and 4.8 pound feet or 6.6 newton meters of torque at 6,500 rpm so you gotta rev the nuts off this thing to get the power Power is sent to the rear wheels, thank you, via a three-speed sequential gearbox that has no clutch, but does have a reverse gear. It's all capable of propelling the little car up to a top speed of 45 kilometers per hour, or 28, 28 miles per hour, though the manufacturer will fit a restrictor if you don't want your kids going that fast. 28 miles per hour in something like this would be terrifying. It sits on a jig-built steel box section chassis that is painted and powder-coated, or powder, powder-coated, and supports a fiberglass body and floor, floor plan, plan, floor pan. The suspension, meanwhile, is fully independent and features steel swing arms with adjustable gas shocks, gas shock absorbers all around and double wishbones at the front. It even has a fixed differential with rubber donut rear universal joints, which Harrington helpfully points out is similar to the setup in a Series 1 Lotus Elan. It also gets Brembo brakes with ventilated discs. You've got Brembo, bra Brembo brakes on something this small? Really? That's awesome. Moreover, it has rack and pinion steering and adjustable pedals to fit children or adults. The listing doesn't reveal how the interior is trimmed, but Harrington says it can do either vinyl or leather, depending on your taste. Otherwise, it gets an authentic dashboard with switch gear that includes ignition, indicators, a working horn and lights, and neatly positioned levers to open the hood and trunk. In total, it is 2,500 millimeters or 101 inches long, 980 millimeters or 38.5 inches wide, and 780 millimeters or 31 inches tall, and weighs just 220 kilograms or 485 pounds. RM Sotheby's, or Sotheby's, which is handling the sale, estimates that it will go for between $22,500 and $33,500 when it is offered without reserve at its Paris auction on February 2nd. So it's already, okay, it's already been sold, more likely than not, but this is sick. Let me just look at the photos. It it actually does look like a shrunken Daytona. It doesn't look like a Power Wheels made to look like a Daytona. It is a very mini Daytona. Wow, that's cool. It's got a semi-usable trunk with a little gas strut for the trunk lid. It actually has an engine. It has some steering. I can't see the brakes because wire wheels and whatnot, but oh my lord. And it has, it has quad exhaust pipes, which is way too much for something making this amount of horsepower, but it's still cool and true to the real thing. Wow, this is cool. I hate how expensive it is, but this is really cool. Hey, hey, Harrington, make a Viper one, please, for the love of God. Please do it. That That's so cool. All right, now, the NHTSA article about the traffic deaths. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, or the NHTSA, also known as NHTSA, released its early estimate of traffic fatalities for the first nine months of 2021, which reveals that they increased 12% year over year. NHTSA estimates that 31,720 people died in motor vehicle traffic at, uh, crashes between January and September of 2021, compared to 28,325 in the same time period of 2020. Sadly, that's the highest number of deaths for that time period since 2006, and the highest percentage increase ever seen since the agency started using its current fatality analysis reporting system in 1975. NHTSA data reveals that the increasing rate of deaths in the first nine months of 2021, up 12%, was roughly equivalent to the increase in miles covered by motors in the same period, up 11.7%. That meant that the rate of fatalities rose 1.36 fatalities per 100 million vehicle, vehicle miles traveled from 1.35 in the first nine months of 2020. Nevertheless, the fact remains that in terms of raw numbers, the first three quarters of 2021 are still the worst on record for a decade and a half. We have to change a culture that accepts as, ine as inevitable the loss of tens of thousands of people in traffic crashes, said Dr. Stephen Cliff, NHTSA's Depu Deputy Administrator. This will require a transformational and collaborative approach to safety on our nation's roads. According to the estimates, fatalities increase in 38 states, Remain stagnant in two Mitsubishi and Wisconsin, not Mitsubishi, god dang it, Mississippi, sorry, and Wisconsin, and decrease in the District of Columbia, as well as in 10 states, namely Alaska, Delaware, Kansas, Kentucky, Maine, Maryland, Nebraska, 
Rhode Island, Vermont, and Wyoming, interestingly. The state whose fatalities for the first nine months of 2021 decreased the most was Nebraska at negative 18.4%, while Idaho's increased 36.4%. Texas was the single state with the most traffic deaths in the first nine months of 2021, with 3,365 people losing their lives in traffic accidents. The District of Columbia was the region with the fewest deaths of 28 people, while Rhode Island was the state with the fewest of 49. This is a national crisis. We cannot and must not accept these deaths as an, as, an inevitable, as an inevitable part of everyday life, said Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg. The good news is we now have a strategy as well as the resources and programs to deliver it thanks to the president's bipartisan infrastructure law. The National Roadway Safety Strategy is America's first ever national comprehensive plan to significantly reduce deaths and injuries on our roads. Well, part of it would just be making making driver ed more strict and actually training people, actually teaching people. That would be that would that would be a good place to start. That would be a really good place to start. But okay, here's the thing. And this might sound this might sound wrong no matter how I say it, but they okay. When you look at the headline, it says saw biggest spike in US traffic deaths since 1975. And you're like, oh God, it must have been a really big increase. Well it was 31,720 people versus 28,325 people in the same time period in 2020. Now that is a big increase. Do not get me wrong. That is a, a obviously a very noticeable increase, a very tragic increase. But that's not 28,000 people from 2020 to like 45,000 people in 2021. Like statistically that might be a pretty big increase, but honestly on the face of it like looking at the core number itself that seems pretty marginal. All things considered. You know they say, you know once again they say oh Tra- you know, the rate of traffic deaths was up 12%. Like, wow, 12%, that must be a huge increase. No, it is, a, it is an increase, but relatively marginal when you, when you look at the raw numbers themselves. I mean, look, they say that meant the rate of fatalities rose 1.36 fatalities per 100, per 100 million vehicle miles traveled from the 1.35 per 100 million vehicles, vehicle miles traveled in the first nine months of 2020. So it went up one, it went up 0.01 fatality per 100 million vehicle miles traveled. That's, that's what I'm getting at. So I'm not saying it's, it isn't a tragedy because it is a tragedy. We do need to do something about the driver ed. We do need to do something about driver safety. Of course, what, what I'm getting at is if you just read the headline, you would think that the numbers went up quite a bit. See, saying, because look, biggest spike. Like, that's an emotional trigger that makes you think, oh, well, it must be a big spike. That's, honestly, that really isn't a spike. That's a marginal increase over 2020. NHTSA says first nine months of 2021 saw a biggest spike in U.S. traffic deaths since 1979. That's not really a spike. That's not, when I think a spike, I think from 28,000 in 2020 to 50,000 or 60,000, right? This is a tragic, though marginal increase, all things considered. It's not as it's not as grave as the headline might lead might lead you to believe. That's all I'm saying. It's not. It is still tragic. It is still sad. And I've said for a long time, you guys know, driver ed is way too easy in this country. We do need we do need stricter driver ed so we do so we have less morons on the road, right? We do need that. But twenty eight thousand to thirty one thousand that again that is a marginal increase over twenty twenty at least from a raw number standpoint. Apparently there's a few, there's a, quite a few comments here though. I'm not going to read, I'm not going to read all of them. And I'm probably not going to read or properly read a few of them. I'm just going to skim mostly because I want to see if anyone's saying A, roughly the same thing or B, anything worthy of note that wasn't covered in the article. I'll probably read it myself. Well, in fact, I will read it myself on my own time. So let's move on to, is this article? Yeah, let's move on to the last article, which is the 84% of new cars sold in Norway last month were electric. It is no secret that Norway is leading the way when it comes to EV adoption, so much so that nearly 9 out of 10 new cars registered across the country in January were all electric. Data released by the Norwegian Road Federation, or OFV, reveals that a total of 7,959 new passenger vehicles were registered in Norway last month, and of these, 6,659 were electric, accounting for 83.7% of the market. This is a 30.7% increase over the first month of last year, a further 6.8% of new cars sold in January were plug-in hybrids. 
A grand total of 387 petrol and diesel-powered vehicles were sold throughout Norway in January. Of these, 175 were petrol-powered, meaning that the Porsche Taycan alone outsold every gas-powered car in the country, shifting 181 units. The best-selling car in Norway last month was, interestingly enough, the Audi Q4 e-tron with 643 units sold, according for 8.1% of the market. It was followed by the Hyundai Ioniq 5 with 477 examples, the BMW iX somehow at 444 units, and the Skoda Enyaq at 389 units, VW ID4 389 units, and the Ford Mach-E at 356 units, oh, the Kia EV6 356 units, and the Audi e-tron with 289 examples sold. The only non-EV in the top 10 was the Toyota RAV4 plug-in hybrid with 271 sales, leading to EV... Leading to EV charge throughout January was Audi with 952 sales across its entire lineup, placing it ahead of Hyundai with 704 sales, Volkswagen with 659, Kia with 616, and Toyota with 576 sales. Interestingly, Tesla was not in the list of the top 10 best-selling automakers, nor was any of its vehicles in the list of top 20 best-selling cars. This could in part be due to supply issues. Norway has committed to banning the sale of petrol and diesel-powered diesel powered cars in 2025, and to make this transition happen, the government offers generous tax incentives to new EVs. It also helps that Norway has the 8th highest GDP per capita of any country. So, basically, the, the drive towards EV isn't, isn't even necessarily market-based, it's government-based. Government, and this is something I had said actually off-air because of a video I was watching that the, the push for EVs is probably one of the only times I can think of in recent history where government regulation has pushed innovation. Now, let me say this. It's not that people didn't want EVs before Dieselgate happened. It's not that Tesla wasn't gaining success back in 2013 to 2015. It's just that a lot of automakers, look at Chevrolet, weren't putting, let's say, their best foot forward when it came to EVs. Chevrolet with the Volt, maybe the first-gen Bolt. They did better with the first-gen Bolt. But even still, Tesla had committed to EVs. A lot of automakers really didn't commit to EVs. Because as many people, as, as there, even if there were many people, or a noticeable amount of people, that wanted better EVs than what was currently on the market, certainly better than, better than the Nissan Leaf, right? The first-gen Leaf. Better than the Mitsubishi IMF. Better than the Cadillac ELR. Remember that from 2014? And the Chevrolet Volt. They made up so little of the market. Automakers said, well, why would we... Why would we invest way more than we're currently doing into EVs when there's not that many people genuinely buying them? Not, not enough. There's not a big enough market currently to justify the investment when there's always going to be people who want ICE cars. And we, we're better off investing in that and trying to gain more market share in areas where we don't have market share. Compact cars is a great example. And then the CUV boom, right? So... Most legacy automakers will say, you know, big three, a lot of European automakers didn't, didn't focus that heavy on EVs because there were a small portion of people that wanted it. But again, it wasn't, they were too small. That section of the market was too small to justify large investment. Well, once Dieselgate happened, because in Europe, diesel was the eco option, right? Once Dieselgate happened and VW got caught with its trousers down, with its pants down, right? Then the European governments were like, crap, well, now we don't have an equal option. Now we got to find something else. And once they saw how much damage the, di the diesel VWs have been doing, and frankly, most di diesel cars, they were like, we have to turn and pivot to something else. And that was electric cars. Then a bunch of, you know, eco-political forces, I guess, had an easier time making their case for more eco-friendly cars. And one thing led to another. And now we have governments like Norway banning the sale of petrol and diesel cars in three years and then adding tax incentives making evs way cheaper than they would be from the factory making them way more appealing and because automakers in addition to all this don't want to lose out on sales because why would they even though america and china buy way more cars than the majority of europe combined europe is not a small market by any means and automakers don't want to lose out on sales in that market obviously so now they're forced now they're forced to give EVs the time of day. Now they're forced to invest way more heavily in EVs and actually make them comparable, if not better, than internal combustion product. Now they're forced to actually care about range, to actually care about affordability rather than saying, 
oh, it'll eventually come. And so this is why, this is why I said, again, off-air a while ago, but I have now said on-air, this is one of the only times where I can think government intervention, at least for the, at least for the free market, one of the only times where government intervention into the free market has actually pushed innovation quite significantly at that. Maybe, yeah, the free market, because NASA doesn't count. They're a government agency. You know, going to the moon doesn't count. But I mean the free market. I mean the free economy. This is one of the only times I can think of, at least in recent, well, A, at all, because I'm fairly ignorant, but certainly in, in recent memory. Now, as an aside to that, it isn't, it isn't that EVs aren't getting more popular. They are more popular, but EVs are only getting more popular because the government forced automakers to make EVs better. Because if they didn't make EVs better, they wouldn't have a car to sell. They wouldn't have a car to sell in certain markets, and someone else would just make their EVs better. And so now EVs are more attractive to the normal consumer because their evolution, their progression, has accelerated stupidly quickly. I mean, look at the electric, the EQS. Look at the Hyundai Ionic 5. What is, I think they had a crossover. Uh, Hyundai had a crossover electric vehicle. I can't remember the name of it. Kia with the Nero EV. So now consumers are genuinely interested in EVs because, because now they're like, oh, we actually have a good alternative. And what and the only thing consum- consumers really want is no long charging time so they can charge their car pretty quick, their EV pretty quickly, do what they need to do. They want long range so they can drive as much as they want, as much as they need to. And they want something reliable and safe, which EVs can fit the last two easily. And now that EVs generally do have good range and generally charge pretty quickly... Now they're a genuine alternative to consumers. So now the normal consumer base is way more open to EVs than they had been even five years ago. So the government intervention has now helped the market. And now the government invention, intervention has helped, has increased consumer interest in EVs because now automakers are forced to pump out genuinely good product that consumers would actually want to buy, that consumers would actually want to transition to. With all that being said, though, that is just my opinion. But having done this podcast since 2016, that seems to be what I observed. Because even when I started the podcast in 2016, no one was pushing EVs as hard as Tesla was. No one. The only, the only automaker that was maybe close, and it was just a few products here and there, was maybe VW, maybe Honda. Just, you know, just a few Asian automakers. Those were the only ones that were even close, and they weren't close at all. And then again, after Dieselgate. So again, I should have prefaced this by saying this is all just my opinion from what I've observed, having read automotive news for so long, but it seems to track. It does seem to track in my mind at the very least. So most of, and so yeah. So fun fact, or I say fun fact, not a fact, but you know, in, interesting thing to note, it would appear that a lot of the EV, a lot of the boom for EVs has actually been due to government intervention and not the market itself. Because look, and Norway is a perfect example of that. Now, what is funny is that Norway is simply saying they're going to ban the the sale of petrol and diesel-powered cars in 2025. They're not saying you're not going to be able to drive your petrol or diesel-powered car. Now, some some of the Nordic countries are saying you can't do you can't drive your diesel car of a certain vintage in their city centers, but they're not saying you can't drive them full stop. But for those who want new cars and want to I guess be able to drive their car, you know, in city centers or have a new car beyond 2025 or, you know, just have a modern car because frankly, the Ionic 5 probably won't get a new, won't get a new generation until maybe 2024. So that, that future proofs a lot. I say that future proofs, but it does future proof a lot of these EVs right up until the point where they're going to ban the sale of petrol and diesel powered cars. So you'd still have a fairly recent up-to-date modern car by that point. Whereas a lot of automakers are, you know, ditching petrol and diesel powered cars even now so by 2025 it might be the point where you you'd have to get an electric car if you wanted something fairly modern at least from certain automakers for sure going back to this article though for a second reading the comments there's there's quite a few interesting comments here one from sam same borat says taxes on cars are insane in norway and gas and diesel the most expensive in europe on the other hand most of norway income comes from sale of oil hypocrisy and action and in action and another comment from a, a regular craig that i've seen around multiple articles said that norway doesn't use a lot of oil themselves they don't they don't import much gas but they export a lot of gas apparently norway 
supplies between 20 to 25% of the EU gas demand. So while they don't, while they don't use it, or while, while they don't import much, they export a lot of it. So basically, they're just, they're just massive hypocrites. Saying, oh, we got to save the planet, yada, yada, yada. And it's like, well, then why are you exporting so much oil? Because that goes directly against that agenda, doesn't it? As someone, as someone replying to Craig so eloquently said, food for thought, can a vegetarian be a butcher? No. And then Craig replied, no, not if plastered all over his butcher shop windows are posters shaming anyone who eats meat. It's called being a hypocrite. And it, and it really is. But once again, that, that goes right into what I was saying about government intervention, where they tax the hell out of petrol and gas cars. And apparently they have a tax per liter on cars, much like Britain does, or and or did. I don't know if that's still the case. But yeah, apparently, where is it, where is it? Craig had asked someone, would you know what percentage of that $3 per liter is tax? Can't remember what that was in relation to, but yeah. So there you go, though. Most of Norwegian or Norway's boom for EVs is thanks to government intervention, one way or another. But a, lot of the, but a lot of the push for EVs just around the globe is thanks to government intervention as well. In any case, so that is going to be it for this segment. I will see you all after the break. While we take this short and elevator musicless break, sorry, I would like to inform you all that there is more CCC content for you to enjoy. For articles, videos, polls, quizzes, posts about the podcast, and even a little bit more, please head on over to my all-new Cody's Car Conundrum website. With a whole new design and all my content in one place, the new Cody's Car Conundrum website is the home of everything I do with CCC. Just go to codyscarconundrum.com to devour even more car-based content. Alright everyone, here we are for the last segment. Porsche may pick Dakar over Safari for its high-riding 911. Porsche may choose Dakar because it's more relevant to modern buyers, or perhaps there are so many imitators out there. Koenigsegg announces plans to build new production facility and test track. The 32, no, the 322,000 square foot facility will accommodate the Jamera program and more. Could Ram's first electric pickup be named Revolution? Ram recently filed an application to trademark the name Revolution for use on pickups. The first Ford Broncos touched down in the UK, but they're priced from 61000 to $115,000. UK pricing for the imported Ford Broncos ranges from 45,000 to 85,000 pounds. 2023 Volvo XC40 facelift spotted undisguised as brand quietly reveals it, quietly reveals it on Euro configurators. The Volvo XC40 gets a midlife update inheriting the redesigned front end from the C40 recharge. Mercedes-Benz EQE and EQS electric SUV to debut this year. The EQ range is growing fast with the addition of two closely related models expected in late 2022. Dongfeng reportedly developing a GMC Hummer EV competitor, really? The Chinese Hummer clone known as the Warrior M50 is rumored to get an EV variant with 1,073 horsepower. Chevrolet drops rear park assist on 2022 Corvette due to chip shortage. Chevrolet will reportedly offer the rear park assist function as, as a retrofit in Q4. BMW boss warns of sudden abandonment of combustion engines. BMW has not yet committed to a date where it will only sell electric vehicles. Mercedes and Geely may look to sell a $1 billion stake in Smart. Mercedes-Benz and Geely are hopeful that Smart can prove popular among the youth of China, of course. Porsche must recall, no, re-recall. Re-recall? That must be the first one. Certain, no, actually not the first one, but probably the fifth one I've ever encountered. Certain Cayennes for prior repair conducted without alignment. Porsche fixed certain 2021 to 2022 model year Cayennes when they had a suspension issue, but failed to perform an alignment. Oh my. That is not very thorough of you, Porsche. Pedestrian crash avoidance tech works well, but not in low light and high speeds. Crash avoidance systems are much less effective in the dark, where three quarters of fatal pedestrian crashes happen. That sounds like they're almost useless then. Dealer sues Nissan for greenlighting rival store, says there aren't enough cars for both. The New York Nissan franchise says proximity of new dealerships breaks state laws and will exacerbate existing supply problems. 2023 BMW 7 Series drops more camo as it shows more of its new design. BMW redesigned 7 Series is coming later this year and it's going electric. Gran Turismo 7 will overcharge you for used JDM cars just like in real life. You love to see it. That's, a, that's funny though. I hate that, but it's funny. Gran Turismo 7 has been updated to reflect the massive changes in used G JDM values since the original appeared in 1998. EPA protesting new postal trucks over their use of internal combustion engines. The NGDV reportedly averages a mere 8.6 MPG. 
with the air conditioner running. That is woeful for a new postal truck. Come on. Government, do better. Lincoln celebrates his 100th anniversary under the ownership of Ford. Watch Henry Ford actually sign the deal to purchase the Lincoln Motor Company in 1922. Kia pulls at the heartstrings while Nissan promotes the new Z in their Super Bowl commercials. A 30-second Super Bowl commercial reportedly costs $6 million this year. 2023 Porsche 911 Sport Classic spied with a ducktail wheel spoiler. Could debut shortly. The 911 Sport Classic could have a twin-turbo engine with 473 horsepower. Another former Tesla employee files a lawsuit, this time for festering racism and homophobia. The ex-Tesla worker claims she was fired out of retaliation for lodging complaints against her supervisors. Them tech bros in, in Silicon Valley gaining all, or accruing all the flack. Accruing all the flack? No. Uh, God, I forgot the word. Anyway. Global car sales will climb 6% in 2022 as semiconductor crisis eases. Industry analysis forecasts a modest sales boost, but warns we're not out of the semiconductor woods yet. This unique Rosso something Ferrari SF90 Stradale makes a very bold statement. Adorning this Ferrari SF90 Stradale is a special color dubbed Rosso something. Meet the smell master, the guy who sets the standards for your Nissan's odors. I'm sorry, I can't figure out how to say your name. And his team makes sure that Nissan models have a nice odor. That's a weird job title to have, isn't it? Alfa Romeo drops a bunch of 2023 Tonal SUV teasers ahead of next week's debut. The Alfa Romeo Tonal will slot below the Stelvio and will be unveiled on February 8th. GM workers in Mexico vote in new upstart union hoping for, hoping for raises. Following an investigation into labor prices at the, or practices at the plant, workers are hoping for better representation with S-I-N-T-T-I-A. Tesla must recall 817,000 cars for software glitch blocking seatbelt chime. The recall affects some 2021 to 2022 Model S and Model X and all Model 3 and Model Y vehicles. Maserati launches something customization program for U.S. and Canadian customers. For the first time, North American Maserati customers can use the brand's customization program. That is sick. Let's get on to the recalls, though, and then we'll end, starting with the Porsche one. Owners of certain 2021 to 2022 model year Porsche Cayennes may be sick of hearing from their dealers, as a new recall on 1,241 vehicles that had already been recalled has now been issued. The new recall comes as a direct result of a previous action regarding faulty suspension parts, the repairs for which now require an alignment. The story starts in April 2021, when Porsche and Bentley issued recalls in the U.S. regarding nuts on the trailing arm of the rear axle that may not have been manufactured according to the required specifications. There was a fear that they could break as a result of stress corrosion. The solution to that was to replace the screw connection on the rear trailing arm with new lock nuts that meet the required specifications. Unfortunately, suspension alignment was not originally included in the remedy procedure for the recall campaign. Now there are fears this may result in alterations in the wheel alignment and, in some instances, to premature and, e and uneven wear of the tires. That could lead to an unexpected decrease in traction, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration writes. As a result of this, Porsche is calling vehicles that received the fix but did not receive an alignment back to the dealership to have their alignment checked and adjusted. The vehicle's tires will also be checked for premature or uneven wear and will be replaced where necessary, free of cost to the owner. Fortunately, Porsche has records of which vehicles received what in its campaign management system, meaning that although the initial recall involved a total of 1,568 vehicles, it, know, it knows it needs to re-recall 1,241 vehicles. As this is written, Bentley has not issued a similar recall. Alright, now let's do the Tesla one. The software engineers at Tesla are working overtime as another recall has been initiated in the company's vehicles. This time, a software glitch may prevent the seatbelt chime from sounding on startup in 817,143 of its vehicles. The chime is only affected in certain circumstances on startup. So once a vehicle exceeds 14 miles per hour or 22 kilometers per hour, it will tell you to put your seatbelt on regardless of this fault. However, all vehicles are required to have an audible seatbelt reminder upon vehicle start, according to FM, FMVSS 208 S7.3 A-1. The glitch affects certain model year 2021 to 2022 Model S and, and Model X vehicles, as well as all Model 3 and Y vehicles. 
The software error only happens in limited circumstances per NHTSA documents when the chime was interrupted in the preceding drive cycle and the seatbelt was not buckled subsequent to that interruption. The regulator offers the example of a driver exiting the vehicle while the chime was active and then returning to the vehicle, creating a new drive cycle and in so doing and in doing so, confusing the car. Apparently, this was first noticed in Korea, actually. Neither NHTSA nor Tesla is aware of any injuries related to this error, but rules are rules. The glitch was first recorded by South Korea's Automobile Testing and Research Institute on January 6, 2022, which brought it to Tesla's attention. By the 10th, Tesla's team had investigated the issue, and by the 25th, they had determined non-compliance and determined that a recall was necessary. The automaker has released a firmware update to the correct issue. The update was available to Model 3 and Model Y drivers on January 27th and on January 28th for Model S and Model X owners, so no further action is required from them. Earlier this week, Tesla issued a separate recall on vehicles equipped with the FSD Beta, whose programming allowed vehicles to roll themselves through stop signs. That recall affected 54,000 vehicles. So nowhere in this article, though, that I just saw... Oh, wait, no. Okay, yeah, there's a firmware update, and more likely than not, Model... 3 and Model Y drivers, as well as Model X and Model S drivers, got the firmware update. So, this e-call, their recall, sorry, this recall is largely moot by now. But, in case you didn't know, that's probably the firmware update you got on the 27th or 28th of January. And it is highly recommended that you install it. In any case, though, I hope you all enjoyed If you did, please make sure to like, like the episode, share the episode, and follow the podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, please like, comment, share, and consider subscribing. And if you do subscribe, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. Please make sure you hit the little notification bell and then all notifications that we're notified every time I upload. If you want to listen to this podcast on the road, but you don't have it on the Podbean mobile app, hey, not a problem. Boot up wherever you get your podcast. Type in Cody's Car Conundrum and then choose the episode you want to listen to. I will see you all next time. You've just listened to me probably ramble about some cars if I'm being honest. If you've enjoyed me passionately talking about lumps of metal on wheels, then why don't you follow me on Twitter at Cody Carr, C-O-N-U-N-D-R-M, or check out my website, www.codyscarconundrum.com, for articles and other car-related content. If you have any questions or would like to become a sponsor, send an email to drtaffy777 at gmail.com and put sponsor in the subject line. Make sure to follow me here or any other platform so you don't miss out on more full-throttle content. Thanks for listening. I'll see you all in the next episode.